When you're starting a business, you are your spokesperson. And as much as I want the product to be in the spotlight, like I don't want Kelsey to be the spotlight. I want the visionary method. It's the product that I want to shine a light on. However, unfortunately, I am the spokesperson because I don't have money to hire Beyonce to be my spokesperson. <laughs> not yet, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> so it becomes so imperative to actually work on the energy that you're bringing to your sales department or your marketing department. And you're right, like it's something that's really hard to pinpoint. It's like, why? Let's use Instagram for an example. Why are we so attracted to following certain people when we watch their stories, but then other people, we probably just tap right through and there's no inclination to ever watch their stories again. Well, perhaps there is something to the charisma, the energy that they are bringing to the work that we do. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can resonate with the fact that everything is energy, right? So if I'm out and about and I see one person on the sidewalk to my left who has their head down, they're walking and they're dragging their feet. And then I look to my right and there's somebody who has their head up, they're smiling, they're already putting up their hand to wave to me. Which person do you think I am feeling energized or feeling magnetic towards? It's gonna to be the person who is walking with that charisma, with that confidence. And I think this is such an important trait for founders and entrepreneurs to cultivate because when you're the person responsible for sharing your offer or your product or service, it's also your responsibility to bring the charisma and to create energy around a product that right now people don't care about, right? Welcome to the Voted Least Likely Podcast. I am your host, Leah Yard. I'm a high school dropout who accidentally became an entrepreneur. After spending over a decade working minimum wage jobs, having a complete mental breakdown, and losing all confidence in myself, I somehow started a successful jewelry company. I am the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry, the least likely person to have overcome crippling anxiety, and the least likely person to have ever had the confidence to share my story. And I know if you are here, you've likely felt something similar. This piece of internet real estate is a place for us to share how we overcame our own obstacles and found a place to thrive, even if it was the last place we ever thought we would end up. We are talking all things related to failure with a little sense of humor on the side. It's time to expose the narratives we tell ourselves and the ones the world places on us. This is the Voted Least Likely Podcast. So welcome, Kelsey, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you could just give a little intro on who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are now. Amazing. Okay. Such a loaded question to start, but I will <laughs> Always, do my right? best to be concise. Uh, so I guess to zoom the lens back a little bit, I graduated high school and decided that I wanted to become a human resource professional. So that's what I went to school for. And at the end of my four years, all of my peers were applying to desk jobs in the corporate world. And I was like, I don't know that this is for me. I've always been a little bit rebellious. I've always had weird creative ideas that I'm like, I want to make a mural out of smashed tiles and I would just go do it. And I feel like my friends always thought I was a little bit weird and just marched to the beat of my own drum. 
So it did kind of make sense that I wasn't interested in applying for a regular HR job. Nothing against it. It just didn't feel aligned with me. So I set off on a traveling adventure. I lived for two years in Switzerland and I tried to find myself. And through that, I decided to actually come back to Canada and go to nutrition school. So I became a registered holistic nutritionist and I absolutely loved it. It was so neat to learn about the foods and the supplements and the lifestyle that could be very supportive of somebody feeling their best. And so when I graduated, again, I kind of watched what my peers were doing. A lot of them were actually going to work for wellness clinics. So, you know, renting an office space and sitting with clients one-on-one, counseling them, And this is about the time when social media was taking off about 10 Mm -hmm. years ago. This is about the time when people started using this phrase called online business. And I was like, hmm, you know what? I don't think I want to see clients in person. I don't mind doing that, but I see this potential in creating these online programs and online courses. And I had been following a couple people who were real pioneers of the online space. And I thought if they can do it, I can do it. So I launched my very first 30-day nutrition detox program. I think I had about 20 people go through it. And I figured a lot out along the way, how to run a program, how to host the resources, how to host a webinar, how to collect payments, how to send emails to remind them about our calls, how to get them to fill out surveys that gather data on how they were feeling before and after, all these things that now seem kind of common sense to people who are working in the online space. But a decade ago, people were like, Kelsey, how are you doing this? And I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty tech savvy. I love marketing. I had spent many years working marketing jobs, both experiential and community marketing based And that was kind of when a light bulb moment went off that I thought, you know what, I'm really good at this whole online marketing thing. I had this keen interest in continuing to learn how to grow my online business. So fast forward, I started to put together some frameworks to teach others how they could do the same thing, how they could transition from in-person service-based practitioners to more of an online practice. Mm -hmm. And as I did that, I decided to advance my own learning too. And I was taking these courses and a lot of them were very, I'll call it harsh or bro marketing. They were telling you to build these really complicated click funnels and spend thousands of dollars on ads. And all of a sudden I started falling into this world that I was like, this is weird. And they were giving me scripts. You need to read this at the end of your webinar and your copy, like make these crazy claims about what you can do. And everything in my body just said, no, Kelsey, like this is not what you know to be true about building community and creating something in the online space. That's a direct reflection of who you would be if you were in the real world hosting these programs. So as I started to coach and mentor more people about online marketing, I really had to get clear on what am I here to teach? Am I here to teach this whole bro marketing, being somebody you're not, being kind of like sleazy for lack of a better word, 
Or am I going to teach them the way that has worked for me, the way I know to be true about building relationships? And that's when the visionary method was born. Uh, today, the visionary method is private business and marketing coaching, as well as group programs that teach people how to set up and run their online business. But it's all rooted in real relationship-based marketing, building communities in the online world that are, um, you know, that they feel like they're just an extension of who you are. There's nothing fake about them. There's nothing that is salesy or using tactics that you would never use in the real world. Uh, so we aim to equip people with the tools and the templates that they need to succeed in online business. That is amazing. I love that. Um, <laughs> There's a few things that came up that like really stuck out to me. One is how did you have the confidence to just learn as you go? Like it sounded like you really did just learn by doing, which I think is phenomenal, but a lot of people don't have the um, either intuition or faith or just they're too scared to fail. So did you always have that just like undying faith that you would figure it out or are you just a risk taker or is it a natural skill or is that something that you kind of had to develop more? Mm -hmm. I really do think it's a bit of both. Like there is yeah. certainly part of me, I don't know if it's just my genetics, but I am more of a risk taker, whether yeah. that's I'm okay with going snowboarding on the backside of a mountain where we're not supposed to be uh, <laughs> or taking a risk with putting myself out there when I don't know how people are going to judge me or what they're going to say about something that I put out on the internet. However, there's also part of me that has gotten more comfortable with this idea of taking chances and making leaps, knowing that failure is a big option. It's inevitable, yep. especially, yep. and you know this too, like when you become an entrepreneur, you might as well accept the fact that failure is going to be more common than success. Like, yes, we like to glamorize the wins and the successes. And um, we tend to embellish what it is to own a business. It's like, I had a five figure month or a six figure year, but what had to happen on the back end? How many times did you fall flat on your face? Yeah. How many times did you put yourself out there only to receive a horrible comment from a follower or to actually get no feedback at all? Like you get excited to put something out there and then, you know, for lack of a better word, it is a failure because you're like, yeah. nobody said anything. Nobody bought it. I thought this was going to be this big thing. And so you know, I think for somebody who does feel like they're not sure if they can build up that risk tolerance, you can, you just have to continue to put yourself out there and treat everything that you do as an experiment and experiments could go horribly wrong or they could succeed. So it's just knowing that there is the possibility of both outcomes and it's not a failure if your experiment doesn't succeed. It just gives you data that, okay, we got to try something else here and being willing to get up and try again. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like that is such a misconception because, you know, you go on social media and all you hear is ridiculous things like, oh, I made six figures in three months and quit your day job and all of this that's glamorizing this um 
entrepreneurial journey that I just think is so far from the truth. I'm sure there are unicorns out there and that happens, but it is very few and far between. And honestly, I am such an advocate for slow growth. Like I think it's so much better. And like what you're saying, it's all experimenting. So if you fail, sometimes when you're starting in the beginning and you're failing, if nobody knows who you are yet, that's kind of good because they don't see all of those flops, right? Like there's so much stuff that in the beginning I thought, you know, it it really derailed me. But looking back, it's like, oh, I'm really glad I didn't have an audience at that time because I needed to learn those lessons and grow and get better. Um, I'm definitely not as good as you are at putting yourself out there, but I really appreciate you saying that you, you know, did still feel unsure and you did still feel um like that failure was going to be a possibility because I think so often it's just you have to feel the fear and then do it anyways. And I think mm-hmm. that's what stops people is when you again you look at other people in the industry, it doesn't look like people are scared and nobody knows what they're doing for the most part. Do you no, know what but... I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. And I think collecting data, as you say, that's really what it is. And just being able to pivot when it doesn't work, you know, mm-hmm. try something different and not taking it so personally, which Again, easier said than done, but I think it's really the practice that allows us to gain confidence in ourselves. For myself, anyways, that's what it was: is just doing it. And yeah, there's there's a lot of failure, but you know that's how you how you get better. Yeah. Um, something that always stands out to me is the way people use language. And um, the one thing you said was the experience, and then also just visionary. You've created a whole brand around that word. I love that word so much. And I would really love to hear what that means to you and why you landed on that. Mm -hmm. This is going to rewind us actually about seven or eight years uh, back to a point when I, so there's a few gaps in the story that I didn't fill in, in my initial intro, but essentially after I started teaching people online business and I kind of shifted away from my nutrition practice, I decided, you know what, I should level up my marketing skills and my business growth skills. So I actually entered into the corporate world for a few years and I really wanted to legitimize, like if I was going to teach people about marketing and business, I wanted to make sure that I understood it from working for a big organization so that I could take those big concepts and bring that down into working with individuals and small businesses. So I went on to work for a few of Canada's top health food companies, more in that corporate structure as a marketing manager. And it was really, really wonderful. But I did hit a point where, again, I was like, I don't think this is me. I I felt like I was going into work downtown Toronto each day in these clothes that I didn't feel comfortable in. I was sitting in on meetings where creativity was not valued. It was um, kind of shunned and they just said, you know what? No, we just have to do things the way things have always been. And so I found myself after a few years craving to get back to that entrepreneurial life. So at that time, I decided I need a break. I'm going to go on a trip to Peru and hike to Machu Picchu. And so while my husband and I were on this trip, this is when Justin Bieber had just dropped his album called Children. So this was probably about seven or six years ago. And I was hiking up to Machu Picchu all day long. We would hike. 
and the song children came on and I was just listening to it. I was jamming to it. And he said the word visionary. And I knew that what I wanted to do when I got back was to really boil everything down that I had learned in the corporate world and create a very precise framework that could teach people how to build their online business. And that's when it all kind of hit me that the brand is all about empowering entrepreneurs to think on that visionary scale. Anything is possible. We very much are limitless in our potential. And I just kind of got this download of, I need to create content around this concept. And so I kind of got to my tent that night. I wrote down the word visionary. And that was the start of the Visionary Life podcast. That was the start of me really polishing up the Visionary Method framework and putting it into a course that people could purchase uh, and self-study from. And it just became this guiding principle for me as an individual to remind myself that we are very limitless, but society tends to kind of constrain us into boxes. But I really wanted to pass that along to my clients too, because as I was starting to work with individual clients again, I noticed that people kept wanting a, a prescription. It was like, just tell me what to do mm. to build my business. Or, you know, how do I get my Instagram to 10,000 followers? And it's like, okay, I can give you a step-by-step -step process, but what you need to do is to sit with how this works and ask yourself, how can I use my unique brilliance, my magic that nobody else has to actually create something that the world has never seen before? And that's literally the definition of entrepreneurship is creating energy where there has not been energy before. It's using our ideas and our intellectual property to infuse a product or a service with something that is new. Uh, that the marketplace has not seen yet. And I think without that visionary energy, all we're doing is implementing and, you know, kind of copycatting what maybe somebody else has done. So it was a word that just anchored within me. And I kind of wrote out the manifesto for it. And everything I do now, I kind of ask myself, like, what's the visionary energy that I can bring to this, that thing that, you know, is outside of the box or is beyond what maybe we think we're capable of and always asking yourself like how you can sprinkle that little bit of magic dust on everything that you do. Have you always been that intuitive? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think, yes. Like I didn't have the language for it maybe mm -hmm. up until five or so years ago, but I think I have always had this quality of just being decisive. And that's yeah. whether you, you call that your gut feeling or just being decisive as a character trait. But I think that's a really important quality of entrepreneurs because mm -hmm. we have to make decisions to move our business forward. So whether you call that your intuition or your gut feeling, like it, it's some a habit that you want to cultivate because without a decision, nobody is stepping in to make those decisions for you when you're an entrepreneur and running your own business. Totally. And how you were talking before about not fitting in certain places. I think so many of us just kind of stuff those feelings away because on paper it looks good, or maybe we were told to do something when we were younger, or we just don't have the trust or practice of you know, listening to your gut, which I think, I mean, I didn't for years, I, I'm very much the way I run my business now is very much based on intuition. If it doesn't yeah. feel right, doesn't matter 
what it looks like on paper. It's just not the right thing for me. But um, I think it's interesting how I love when I listen to you talk and I get this when I listen to your podcast too. It's like, that's what I think about when I think of you so much is just like really leading with intuition and it gives other people permission to do the same because when I hear you talk about something that you're doing you're excited about it's like yeah I should feel like that too like that's how I should be talking about what I'm doing I need to be bringing that same excitement and that same like heck yes sort of feeling um so I really hope that people hear that because that is so um, it's one of those things that's so nuanced and really hard to pinpoint, but it is so yeah. important. I, I, yeah, I don't know if you have any tips on how to lean into that more. I don't necessarily have tips, but I do think that it is important for every founder to work on their charisma. And this is a word that I feel like we don't often use. Like when I think of the word charisma, I think of drama class or somebody who's <laughs> eccentric per se. But yes. what I've really been thinking about lately is when you're starting a business, you are your spokesperson. And as much as I want the product to be in the spotlight, like I don't want Kelsey to be the spotlight. I want the visionary method. It's the product that I want to shine a light on. However, unfortunately, I am the spokesperson because I don't have money to hire Beyonce to be my spokesperson. <laughs> not yet. Not, not yet. yet. <laughs> so it becomes so imperative to actually work on the energy that you're bringing to your sales department or your marketing department. And you're mm -hmm. right. Like it's something that's really hard to pinpoint. It's like, why? let's use Instagram for an example. Why are we so attracted to following certain people when we watch their mm -hmm. stories, but then other people, we probably just tap right through and there's no inclination to ever watch their stories again. Well, perhaps there is something to the charisma, the energy that they are bringing to the work that we do. And you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners can resonate with the fact that everything is energy, right? So mm -hmm. if I'm out and about and I see one person on the sidewalk to my left who has their head down, they're walking and they're dragging their feet. And then I look to my right and there's somebody who has their head up, they're smiling, they're already putting up their hand to wave to me. Which person do you think I am feeling energized or feeling mm -hmm. magnetic towards? It's going to be the person who is walking with that charisma, with that confidence. And I think this is such an important trait for founders and entrepreneurs to cultivate because when you're the person responsible for sharing your offer or your product or service, it's also your responsibility to bring the charisma and to create energy around a product that right now people don't care about, right? Like, you know, your jewelry is amazing. But if I'm not tuned into it already, I need somebody to get me hyped up. I need them to be like, this is the best jewelry. You're going to look incredible on New Year's Eve. Have you tried it with a cute black outfit? And, and to like enroll me in the idea. Mm -hmm. And so I've been thinking about the concept of founder charisma. And I don't necessarily have tips other than to say it just takes time and practice. Yeah. Like if I listen back to my podcast from five years ago, my voice is drastically different. I'm, it sounds like I'm a sloth. I'm literally <laughs> like, Hey, visionaries. I, I did this this weekend. And 
And I'm almost like, who is that girl? But I noticed that like, the more I have just put myself out there, I think the easier it gets. And um, the more I'm building a business in alignment with who I am and what brings me joy, I'm actually lit up. So that should be reflective in my voice. So it's uh, certainly an interesting topic. I'm not the expert on it, but I think there's definitely something to it. I love that. I, I think you are, you may be an expert and not realize I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying when you like podcasting is very new for me and I'm a very expressive person. So when I talk, my eyes are big. I use my hands a lot. And yeah. so I didn't really realize because when you just record audio, you can't see all the nonverbal communication, right? And so yeah. when I re-listened to it, it was like, oh my God, I sound so bored. And yeah. I had to ask a friend, like, I'm an expressive person, right? Like, like just, just clarify. And she's like, oh yeah, totally. But again, when you take away all the visuals and it's just the voice, and it's funny because I find that I have to really over exaggerate when I'm talking for yep. it to sound like what I think I sound like in my head. <laughs> it's just, and it's so, it feels so uncomfortable to do it, like to just really, I, I sound so annoying. Like as I'm talking now, I feel like this isn't how I sound, but I know it's going to sound more like how I think I sound, but you have to just push that little extra bit and you don't know until you do it. Like you mm -hmm. really don't. And I find things like I was kind of late to the game of doing videos on social media, same kind of thing. You think that you're being very concise and so clear, but I say, um, and so, and like, and all yep. that so much, but mm -hmm. until you start doing it, you can't kind of critique it. Um, there, see again. Um, but it's just funny, <laughs> like it, it just takes time, but I'm really glad you said that because again, people listening and they're listening to you now and you are such a pro and you are so good at it, but there is a learning curve. And I just want, again, I want people to look to you and learn from you because you're an expert, but they also don't want them to be intimidated to learn from you or write you off in the sense of like, well, she's just always been like that. Cause I think mm -hmm. that's an easy fallback. Cause we just kind of let ourselves off the hook by being like, well, I'm not naturally like that. So I can't yeah. do it. So I think there's always learn to grow or always um, room to grow. And I, I just really hope people don't miss that lesson because it you just got to start before you're ready um tell me a little bit about you said something that I loved it was bringing the most embellished version of yourself tell me what you yeah. mean by that yeah that actually kind of plays off of what we're talking about of just kind of needing to turn up that energy and I think, you know, how I see that concept is number one, if anyone listening is building an online business or is going to use social media or a website or an email to try to sell their offers, right? Or to add value to what they do. It is important to recognize that anything digital or two-dimensional is very different than if you walk into Costco and there's a demo rep who's literally in the physical realm with you. Um, there's energy between human beings when we're shoulder to shoulder, but as soon as we're through a screen, a lot can get lost. So mm. I always advise clients, like anytime you're going to show up to a Zoom call or a podcast recording, or you're going to flip your TikTok and record a video of yourself, 
bring the most embellished version of you, like literally turn up that dial. Because if you can imagine that 10 to 15% of that energy is just going to get lost in the internet waves, it's really important to just bring it up a little bit to 115%, knowing that not everything translates through a screen. So that's the uh, first kind of um, reason to bring the most embellished version of yourself. The other um, kind of concept that I think about when I use that term is that there are so many days when life is happening in the background of our business. You know, we are navigating grief or we had somebody say something mean to us or our health is suffering or maybe our partner is going through a very challenging time at work and life never stops, unfortunately. And there are so many days when it's just like, I would love to take the day off today, or I would love to take the week off. You know, I want the month off because, (laughs) you know, maybe something tragic happened in my family, or I'm dealing with somebody in crisis who um, is very close to me. However, anytime I show up to a commitment and I am going to, you know, do a client call or get on a podcast recording, I really believe it's important to bring my whole self and to leave my business at the door. So I step into this office and I want to be a hundred percent present to turn up my light because I love what I do and life is never going to stop happening and crappy shit is going to continue to happen to you, to I, Mm -hmm. to every business owner every single day. But I don't want to bring that into my work, at least not for the most part. And so for me, bringing the most embellished version is showing up in the state that is unaffected by all of the other stuff that might be happening in my life and to really show up in service of others and to bring my best self and to be all in on the work commitments that I do agree to for myself. I got goosebumps when you said that. (laughs) I love that. Um, You are so consistent. Like, girl, I don't know how you do it, but you are so (laughs) consistent. How? How do you do that? Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) That's one of the words that I hear most associated with people who are describing me. And it's so funny because I didn't start cluing into how consistent I was until people mirrored it back to me. Yeah. I, I believe in the power of consistency. So Mm -hmm. one of the very first business books that I read was called the slight edge. It's a very popular personal growth book. And I'd highly recommend it to anyone getting started in business. And it's not because it's a revolutionary book, but the author, he talks about how to gain that slight edge over your competitors. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it boils down to the compound effect, which is um, showing up or doing a task day after day after day or saving today, saving money tomorrow, saving the next day until all of the sudden the compound effect takes place and you skyrocket to success or you have that hockey stick growth. And I really believe in this concept and not only because it has worked for me, but because I see it work for a lot of my clients too, that we don't have to be the smartest, the most talented the people putting the most money into Facebook ads, the ones with the biggest email list, the ones with the, you know, the best team working for them. We can avoid all of that if we decide to be the most consistent. 
because consistency breeds trust. So when people see you showing up consistently or they see you producing content consistently or they hear you talking about um, a product that you sell consistency, eventually they start to really trust in what you're saying. They see that you're not going anywhere. You're not in this to make a quick dollar. And when they're ready for an investment like your product or your service, they're going to think of you because you're the one that's always showing up. You're the one that's always adding value And it's usually the most valuable entrepreneur that will get the sale. And so I guess, you know, I think for everybody, it's going to look different on how they implement a practice of consistency in their life. But if you set a goal, like I want to launch a podcast, first of all, make sure you love it. Like if you don't love what you're doing, it's really hard to be consistent. Totally. And then just make sure you have a reasonable schedule set out for yourself, right? Don't say you're going to publish a podcast every single day if you really don't have the bandwidth for that. But if you can commit to weekly and carve out that time and make sure that you have everything in place, the time in your calendar or, you know, the uh, resources to be able to get this thing out, then it's just about like, keeping the promise that you make to yourself and not letting yourself down too many times. I love that. I think there's, there's two parts in there too, because you're consistent, but you're also congruent. And I think that's something people Mm. don't always think about because you can show up every day, but if you're showing up every day and it's kind of a different version of you every day, you know, it's still not going to give people that sense of trust. They're going to feel uncomfortable. They might not even know why they feel uncomfortable. And um, there's people, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this where online, they're one version and then offline, or maybe say on an Instagram live or something where you kind of really peek behind the scenes, they're a very different person Mm -hmm. and it makes people uncomfortable. So I think I'm really glad you're recognized for your consistency, but I I also really appreciate your congruency. Like you are you all the time. Doesn't mean you're, you don't go through things and that your mood isn't going to change or whatever, of course, but you are always Kelsey. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, and that makes people feel at ease. And Mm -hmm. that I think just comes down to being authentic, which I mean, there's just no way to, you just have to, I think, know really what your values are. And um, I just think you do such a great job at that. So I, I hope you're celebrated for that part as well, because I think that's a key because even consistency, people can schedule that out. But same thing, if you're not providing that level of congruency, that level of comfort, and people can just be at ease around you, um, you're not going to gain that same traction. But I 100% agree that consistency beats out talent all day, every day, all day, every day. Like it's just, there's so many talented people that just don't make it because shit gets hard and then they stop and that's it. And it's devastating. And um, yeah, I, there's people in my life that they're so skilled and I just want them to, you know, pursue something and just see it through to the end. But again, easier said than done. So Mm -hmm. um, do you burn out with all this showing up? Do you burn out? (laughs) I mean, I, so no, I don't. And maybe this will come to bite me in the butt someday, but I have so much energy and I build my day around my workouts. I am an adventure queen. I love mountain biking. I love trail running. I love paddleboarding down the river in my backyard. To me, 
a life without outdoor nature adventure is a life that I don't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. So I have to have my one hour nature adventure every single day. And that truly does fuel me. Um, that is priority. And I kind of build my whole schedule around it. So I'm willing to work, you know, 12 hours in a day, if I've had an amazing one hour paddle down the river that completely fills my cup. So I've personally never experienced burnout. I know it's a very hot topic, mm. um, but I do really focus on honoring um, my personal needs, my health mm. needs. I know that my business doesn't grow if I am not in good health and well-being. So having little habits and routines in my day that are supportive to my energy levels and to my creativity, it's kind of essential. So I don't feel like I burn out. I know people think I work a lot, but I just, I, I love what I do, but I'm also equally passionate about living life outside of my office and off of my computer. This show is sponsored by our very own company, Leah Yard Designs. Leah Yard Designs is a jewelry brand in Vancouver, Canada that specializes in unique, semi-precious pieces. The designs are meant to be mixed and matched to celebrate the wearer. We love fashion juxtapositions, which is why you will usually find me in ripped jeans and a ton of gold jewelry. Our goal is to add glamour to every day. Our most popular design is our Zodiac necklace, which was created to celebrate what makes you uniquely you. 5% of all profits in the jewelry collection are donated to the DEWC, a local charity that helps vulnerable women in Vancouver's downtown east side. You can learn more and shop the full collection at www.leayarddesigns.com. I love that. I, I, yeah, it really shines through that you love what you do. Um, tell me what it's like to work with you. Maybe just tell me a bit about the visionary method and just what, um, just, yeah, I just would love to hear, don't give all the secrets away, but just a little, <laughs> a little peek behind the scenes of what it's like to actually do, um, go through the program with you. Yeah. So we have the most incredible community that has formed over the last five years of entrepreneurs building online businesses in their first one to three years who have amazing goals and visions, but they need the support, the community, and the mentorship in order to actualize those goals. So not only does this community meet up every single Wednesday, we have have a mastermind call, we bring in guest experts, we talk about the current state of business and marketing. But a lot of these people are also inside of our private coaching program. So we take a handful of clients on each month. And we work with them for a four month period. And we basically do a full audit of their business. So I assess, wow. what are you selling? How have you positioned it? What is that funnel that is bringing people in at the top? How do we nurture them in the middle? And how do they eventually become paid clients? And then we do this full marketing breakdown. So essentially we see what have you tried that's working? What have you tried that doesn't work? And then we introduce a lot of new marketing efforts to experiment. We start tracking everything. We see where you're having great success. And then we essentially create what I call a marketing playbook. So it's a book filled with all of the strategies that are going to work for years and years to come because we have proof that as soon as you start posting in a Facebook group three times a week and you share this link, you get 10 applications or you get, you know, 400 visitors to your website. 
So that is what the visionary method is. We also have group programs that run three to four times a year. So for people who are looking for a community of people to start their online business with and to really make sure that they have the foundation set up and that they get introduced to a really good marketing plan, we have group cohorts as well. But I think the main magic is really that no matter what version of the visionary method you do, the group coaching or the one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, we have those meetups every Wednesday. And it's just such an incredible community, knowing you can plug into a group of people who understand you, who celebrate your successes with you, who hold space for you when you say, guys, I'm having a week and I just yeah. want to quit. Like, what can you offer me in this moment? Um, so it's been really neat to see how that community has formed and to see the partnerships and the connections that have formed and to just know that there is a group of people out there who are equally as inspired and motivated and who will also navigate the, the challenging times of yeah. entrepreneurship um, to connect with each and every week. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, what would you say to somebody who's not sure, because I get asked this a lot, like when is it the right time to join that kind of program or get a coach or a mastermind? How do you know when the right time is the right time? Hmm. I, it's so funny because like I hesitate to say there is a right time because I think it's always a good idea to try and claw your way through as many of the ups and downs as possible in those first couple of years. Like mm -hmm. if you have that willingness to just go at it yourself and try your hand at business and marketing, even if you have no experience, just do it, right? Don't yeah. wait for somebody else to tell you what to do. However, if there's part of you that's like, I am not going to start this business until I put money on the line, mm -hmm. until I invest in a program or a coach that is going to help me and like, give me that little boost of confidence mm -hmm. to say, all right, now you can go out and do this. Then that's okay too. So for some people it's at the very beginning of their journey mm -hmm. because they want guidance right from day one. For some people it happens at about the one to three year mark when mm -hmm. they feel like they've got the business launched and then they got a few clients, they got a few sales, and then it's kind of crickets. <laughs> They're yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now what? I've tapped through yeah. my mom and my dad and my sister. <laughs> and now who are my customers? And they really need to pull together a strategy um, and really figure out how are you launching this business beyond your immediate family? So that might be a great time to reach out to someone. It's when you feel like maybe you're a bit stuck and you've maxed mm -hmm. out your own skill set. Uh, I think that's great guidance. Yeah, I definitely wish I had um, looked for guidance at the beginning. I was just, I knew, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was just so, I was just so, well, I was sure it was going to fail. And then I didn't want everybody to know that. So I just didn't ask any questions. Oh. And I like suffered alone. And now I look back and it's like, oh my God, I should have asked. Because I think that's the hardest part is yeah. just admitting you don't know what you're doing or admitting maybe you need help. Yeah. Um, if there's someone listening, who's just not sure to take that leap or to, they're just not, they don't know if they're ready or they're, they're maybe scared to um, jump right in. What would you say just to kind of get your toes wet? How could they kind of start that process of getting more guidance? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure you would be supportive of this, but I think podcasts are an amazing way to get free mentorship or guidance or just to feel less alone on this journey. I know for me, they've been a huge support to my mental health as an entrepreneur. I will walk around multiple hours a day, some days when I just feel lonely or like I just need to be held. I'll just put podcasts in my ears and I feel like I have mentorship on demand. And so for somebody who's like, I don't know if I need coaching, start with podcasts. Maybe somebody who you've been thinking about working with has a podcast. You could just listen to an episode or two and just see, is anything resonating with me? Because you'll know after 30 minutes, like I'm jiving with what this person is saying, or you know what? I could kind of leave this behind. It's Mm -hmm. not the right next step. I think that's going to give you a pretty good insight into whether you want to maybe invest in that person's paid program. So yeah, diving into the world of podcasts is so wonderful because it's free content and you can learn a lot just by pressing play on an episode. There is so much content out there, like so much free content that people are just throwing out there. Like it's unbelievable. It's, and I, yeah, when I first started really listening, because I listened to stuff more for entertainment. And then when I started treating it more like education, now it's a rule. I walk to work and it's a rule. I have to be learning something on the way, which is a little extreme, but (laughs) doesn't matter the day, gotta be learning something. So there's a few where it's like, yeah, you just need that. And even if, you know, you're not having a great day, stuff is still sneaking in subconsciously. And I feel like it's just hearing a different voice say it. Um, And I love what you said about how you will gravitate towards certain people, because I really feel like it's just the same as music. There are some people I can't force myself to listen to, even though I admire everything they're doing. And there's some people, it's funny, like I've read books of theirs that I like, but then when I hear them speak, it's just not for me. Mm -mm. And it's so funny, but it it just, you have to, and it's that intuitive thing again, you have to really resonate with the person because you're not going to, you're not going to buy it otherwise, right? You're not going to believe you're not going to um, apply what they're saying because half of you is just thinking like, nah, this isn't for me. Um, I think that's a great, a great tip. And I, yes, I second that like 1000%. There is just so much goodness out there. What is your favorite podcast? I'm dying to know one of your favorite. I'm sure you have many. Oh goodness. I do have a lot of favorites. I will say um, right now, I, during the day, similar to you, I listen to a lot of marketing and business growth podcasts. So I love the My First Million podcast. I find that one so good Mm -hmm. for just idea generation, the way that they approach business uh, very much inspires me. And they're always on kind of the cutting edge of what's happening in business, what's trending and what ideas are kind of coming to the forefront. So I love my first million. Um, And then I also love to listen to sometimes more like girl talk or just more spirituality or um, I don't know, just things that are less businessy in the evening. So I love the rich roll podcast. Um, Mm. I'll listen to off the vine with Caitlin Bristow, a former bachelorette. So like, sometimes I I'm just listening to content that has nothing to do with my work. Um, but yeah, I do have a whole list, actually my top 10 favorite podcasts. It is on my blog. So I'll have to pull that up. Oh, yes. And please send that to me. (laughs) I will for sure. Well, I think it's good to listen to a mix too, because I know I listen to a lot of business, but then a lot of mindset stuff as well. Um, And also listening to stuff that maybe doesn't apply, but you still learn how that podcast is being marketed to you or how that person is talking and things like that. 
Um, So there's always like nuggets of and ways you can learn. Um, I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. If you had to give, like, what is your top marketing tip? If you had to narrow it down? I know it's one of your favorite topics. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. It's like, I could talk about this for a long time. Top marketing tip, I would say to create what you consume if you're stuck. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, they see what's trending in the marketing space. They're like, okay, everybody's on TikTok. Mm -hmm. But then I'll sit down with them as we're building their strategy. And I'm like, have you ever opened TikTok? Do you know what works on TikTok? Are you interested in being a creator on TikTok? And their whole body language is like, no, like it just seems so stupid. And I'm like, then why are we so adamant that this has to be part of your marketing strategy Mm -hmm. when you are potentially a solo entrepreneur with very limited time, limited Mm -hmm. energy? I want you to focus on creating where you feel lit up. And oftentimes that is what we consume. So if you find yourself binging YouTube all of the time, perhaps that's a sign to explore the option of creating your own YouTube channel Mm -hmm. because naturally you're taking in the trends, you know what you like, you know what you don't like. Uh, Or for somebody who subscribes to every email marketing newsletter, that's someone like me. Like I love getting newsletters into my inbox. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, it was like, I am so excited to write emails because I'm always getting ideas. Every time I open my inbox, I'm like, that's a good email. I slide it to a folder called marketing gold. That's a cool email. I love how they formatted that. So for me, it's so easy to create emails because I consume emails. So it's very natural. I'm I'm learning every day when I open my inbox or when I scroll my phone to see the latest emails. And whether it's conscious or not, I'm seeing, oh, that's a great subject line, delete. Or, oh, I love how they put a picture in that email, delete. But again, it's like, I'm learning a lot. So it's easy for me to create. So I would say if you keep that in mind, especially if you have limited bandwidth as an entrepreneur, Try to focus on things where you're actually a consumer uh, because you're going to understand the state of affairs a whole lot better. That's very, very valuable um, perspective on it because, again, we're back to intuition, like going, you know, really feeling what feels right. And um, it's funny because so when TikTok came out, I was dead against it. Didn't want to do it. Not interested. I, you know, I work in fashion and I've been on Instagram for years and it's like, oh my God, it's just going to be another social media where there's no cellulite and everybody's perfect, (laughs) you know? And I had a friend convincing me to try it and I thought, oh, it's just going to be one more thing. And then I started it and I just got so addicted and it was just so funny. Like you don't know until you try it. And, you know, I, like a lot of people thought it was just a dancing platform to begin with. Um, but there's so many ways to utilize it for a business. It's just got such a great community feel. I never in a million years would have thought that I would enjoy TikTok. And now my jewelry brand, I have one, I've got one for the podcast and that's where I get a lot of inspiration and Instagram still serves its purpose and it's still good, but it's, it's not my favorite place to be, you know, like it's just not, um, and I do create stuff for it and all that, but it's easier for me to be consistent on TikTok because I'm enjoying what I'm doing more. And, you know, just like you said, like once you find that thing and I love, you said, create what you consume. Is that what you said? Create. I love that because that's such a great way for people to look at. And especially like you said, if you're a little bit stuck and you're not quite sure, um, because yeah, I think 
so often we feel like we have to be on all the things, doing all the things, but there's too many things. Like there's just too many. I don't know. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things. And I love that, that you found your joy on TikTok and the fact that maybe Instagram isn't feeling like the place that's okay. Right. So that's why when somebody is trying to give very prescriptive advice, don't always feel like you have to take it. I know it's easy in the early days of business to be like, okay, somebody said I have to get on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the new thing. Like, you know what, if it's just not feeling that natural, if there's a heaviness to it, it's okay to put that aside and work on some other marketing strategies that actually are exciting and joyful to you. I totally agree. So we are in the new year. Are yes. there any goals you can share that you've got? Do you have a vision board? Do you have anything that you can share that you're really excited about this year? Yeah. So I'm actually still working on my 2023 goals, but I do have five different initiatives, we'll say. So to give you a sample of a few of them, working on my digital marketing is a big initiative. So that involves increasing our search engine optimization. So I have some specific numbers like of a certain number of page visitors I want to the website, a certain amount of traffic and search terms that are attracting people to my website. Uh, I have a goal for the podcast, for example. So within that marketing bucket, there are a few different outcomes. I also have uh, a outcome goal based around health. So within mm -hmm. health, uh, I have a practice of meditation that I'm trying to stick to. I have a um, like a certain kind of eating routine that I know brings me enough energy to be able to show up uh, with the level of energy that I need. So that's another initiative that I have. I have another initiative around operations and systems, something that I absolutely don't love. Um, but within that, writing down standard operating practices within my business and making sure that I have structure each week to things that I need to deliver. So that's kind of how I see the goals in the new year. Like there's certain initiatives and then which within each of those, there are little outcomes that I'm trying to achieve. And then each month I just say, what am I doing to boost my page traffic? Or what am I doing to make sure that this five day a week meditation practice sticks and it's breaking it down into those actual outputs that I can do on a weekly or a daily or a monthly basis to make sure that those initiatives are moving forward. Amazing. Do you have a word of the year? This was a new concept I heard someone say the other day and I I don't know, it really got me thinking, just curious when you were saying all that, do you have a word? I do. So I pick a word every single year oh, and some years they like really guide me and other yeah. years it's more of like in the background, but I, I like to choose one nonetheless. So this year, my word is rhythm. Um, I just love mm -hmm. that. Like idea of when you think of rhythm in music, it's like a consistent beat, right? And this is what I'm focusing on for my business this year is I'm a visionary. So my head's in the cloud. I get ideas and I'm like, oh, we could be over there. We could be here. I want to launch this. I want to create a podcast on this. I want to have a rhythm so that the business has more structure so that my crazy ideas don't affect 
the day-to-day operations and so that I can bring more people into my business because they understand the rhythm and it's not Kelsey being a scatterbrain wanting to do all these crazy things. So rhythm is my word of the year. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I love that. Good one. I'm, I didn't know if you'd have one. I'm sorry for the surprise <laughs> question. I thought, oh, I'm putting you on the I spot. love it. No, it's yeah. great. It forces me to vocalize it too. And yeah. Um, yeah, do you have one or have you not chosen one yet? Um, I do. And I felt it's so funny. So yes, I have one. And then as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone this because it felt... So the word that came to mind was relief. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, no, because part of me worried, does that mean quitting something? Does that mean, do you know what I mean? Does it? And then once I, so I do an end of the year kind of revamp, sort of like what you're talking about, go through everything, what worked, what didn't and all that. And then when I, so intuitively the word relief came, I felt uncomfortable about it, but it felt right. And then when I did the process of going through the year, it kind of, I realized it meant sort of relief that I kept going on certain things, relief that I'm still, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought, or I'm still moving forward. So Mm. again, it's that thing when you have that intuitive little spark, and then I tried to second guess it, you know, and I tried to, no, no, I need a better word. I need like empower, or I need, you know, and it's like, no, that was the word. That's just what came, but it's my first year really narrowing down like that. I've thought of statements in that at the beginning, but I've never narrowed it down to a word. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really like that practice and I'm yeah, off to a weird start with it, but (laughs) but I, I like the practice and I really like that idea. I love it. And I think it's important not to think too hard about the word. It's like whatever just kind of lands. It's like, okay, what meaning am I going to attach to this word? What does it mean to me? It doesn't need to make sense to anyone else. I love that. Thank you. I needed that little boost. (laughs) (laughs) So Kelsey, where can people find you if they want to follow along, consume your content, work with you? What's the best way to track you down? Best place is just KelseyRidal.com or on Instagram at KelseyRidal. Amazing. And is there anything else you would like to leave everybody with? Go listen to Justin Bieber if you need some inspiration. <laughs> I love that. I love that. that is the perfect way to sum it up. There yeah. you go. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope this episode gave you a boost of encouragement to follow your own path, even if it's a little unruly or has a few more weeds than you expected. I would love if you could share this with somebody important to you. We never know who needs a boost. If you'd like to learn more, you can find me at www.leayard.com. And if you want to see a little more behind the scenes, you can connect with me on Instagram at leayard. And now I will leave you with this. We all have more in common than we do not. Be kind when you can, judge less, less often, and never, ever underestimate your own potential. I'll see you next week.